Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is uh, Charles W. Chuck Bryant with his freakishly big fingertips that I just noticed. I don't know what you're talking about. That's like, a toe. I'm looking at it now, and it doesn't look any different than any other fingertip I've ever hold, seen. Hold your hand up. <laughs> that is big. This is on the middle finger. It gives me an advantage yeah, in exactly. traffic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I met a girl once um, who actually had, she, I can't remember, I think she'd like, worn out like her fingers from typing or she broke it or she did something and she actually had that splint like this oh, really? like her middle finger sticking up i was like <laughs> i envy you right you know you can get a splint and do that and just tell people i could i'm yeah. very lazy though chuck sure so chuck how you doing great good you getting ready for christmas yeah this is our last couple of shows here before we break and actually these will come out in 2011 yeah people are gonna go what yeah mind meld but yeah this is this is what's really going on in our world right now, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Chuck, you remember Norman Borlaug? Yeah. Nobel, For once, I do. No, <laughs> I know. Uh-huh. This, is, this is unique. Yeah, he was great. Uh, Nobel Prize winning, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, agriculturist? Yeah. Botanist? He, is the, he was responsible for the Green Revolution. Yeah. Which, ironically, the uh, people of the Green Environmental Revolution like to point out is like the scourge of the environment. Yeah. Uh, because basically what Borlaug did uh, in the 40s, I think, the 50s, the 60s, there was a lot of um, famines predicted. Right. right? Uh, apparently up to a billion people were predicted to die because the agriculture had reached its carrying capacity, right. which is the number of people it can support. Sure. I think without any help whatsoever, agriculture can support like um, a, a couple billion people, something like that. Okay. All right. And we'd reached that point, right. and, or we were about to, and everybody was about to be in big trouble. And then Borlaug steps in just at the nick of time, goes down to Mexico, uh, basically forces wheat to evolve super quickly so that you have these high, high yields over very small areas. Yeah, more output. Exactly. Um, but like 70% more output. Yeah. Um, and literally saves about a billion lives. That's what he's credited with. Amazing. Well, the problem is, is he's also credited with creating these really intensive agriculture techniques that pollute watersheds from, you know, intensive fertilizer and pesticides. Um, these things don't just grow on their own. Like, it, it requires a lot of intensive farming, right? I didn't, I didn't know if there was a downside to his work. I know. It's it's kind of weird to think about. Yeah. But, yeah, he's actually kind of a uh, whipping post oh, for, really? um, for the, the environmental movement. And he just passed away this last year, right? Uh, yeah, within the last year or two. Yeah, I think Something it was like last year, maybe 2009. Um, but yeah, so he's kind of, he's been vilified unfairly in my opinion. Right. For creating a lot of ecological problems. I think when you say that, you missed that he saved about a billion lives. Yeah, sure. You know, um, but there's also possibly one other uh, thing that he created inadvertently with his green revolution. And that is what we call celiac disease. Interesting. Yeah. Because this, I didn't this, think about that. This, well, think think about this. Okay. Celiac disease, which is an allergy or an autoimmune disorder that results from an, an allergy to gluten. Yeah, but it is, is an autoimmune disorder, though. It's not a food allergy. It's an autoimmune disorder brought on by a food allergy. Okay. Um, but a study, uh, I think from 2009, found that it's uh, that gluten allergies yeah. or 
uh, celiac disease is um, about 4.5 times more common now than it was 50 years ago. And a lot of people suspect that it it's because wheat's become such a staple crop right. that it's found everywhere. And yeah. so since we're more exposed to it than ever, thanks to this green revolution, mm-hmm. um, we have started to develop this disorder because of it. Now, so is Borlaug's... Uh was his plan, or not, obviously it wasn't planned, but was his technique of making the wheat more uh, yield, high yield, mm-hmm. did that actually increase the amount of gluten? I would imagine so, because there's just more wheat. Just more wheat. But I think also what's behind it is wheat is everywhere, because in the West, gotcha. there's so much of it that it's, we just use it for everything. Right, right, right. Because, and we'll see in a minute, it shows up in some pretty random places. Yeah, that like you wouldn't, water. Wouldn't notice, yes. Not true. <laughs> That you wouldn't notice, well, you could put some wheat in water and drink it. Well, yeah, wheat water. Right. It's good stuff. Also called beer. <laughs> wheat water. Yeah. I'm going to order one of those next time I go to a bar. Yeah, can I have some wheat water? Have a pint of wheat water. I'm going to um, order fire water when you order wheat water, okay? Well, that would be whiskey or something. And fire water liquor? Mm-hmm. Whiskey. Yeah. So, Chuck, let's talk about celiac disease. Let's talk about gluten. Let's Let's just lay it out on the table and see what happens, man. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place now. It's a big, uh, I would say there's some controversy because a lot of people are jumping on gluten-free diets because, like Gwyneth Paltrow said, she lost some weight. So people are using it to lose weight, which Can is really... Can she lose weight? Like, she's now two-dimensional. Yeah. <laughs> she's a sheet of paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the small intestine. So if we want to abs- uh, absorb what's going on here with this podcast. Nice, Chuck. <laughs> Mr. Pun guy. Uh, the small intestine is uh, absorbs nutrients. That's what it does thanks to the little villi in there. Yes. If you have celiac disease, that means the lining of your intestine is uh, destroyed to the point where uh, it's not doing that job and the nutrients go straight through to your poop. Right. And that's, that's pretty much it. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's just as straightforward as that. Yeah, that's Celia. I mean, there's a lot of twists and turns along the way, obviously. Well, one of the <laughs> it's not exactly straightforward. One of the um, I, I, we we absorb nourishment in the small intestine, right? Yeah. So one of the side effects of celiac disease, of an inability to absorb the nutrient gluten, um, is malnourishment. Yeah. Which also happens if you've had a significant portion of your intestines removed, yeah. malnourishment is often a result as well. Yeah, and that can lead to potentially anemia, osteoporosis, bad things. Very bad things. And right? malnourishment just isn't good, period. So a lot of people think, well, you know, celiac disease is an allergy to wheat. It is. Um, but like you like you just pointed out, you, you can get malnourishment. You can develop malnourishment from mm-hmm. it. Um and it is also an autoimmune disorder where the the body is warding off something unnecessarily, right? Right. Like your immune system is not functioning correctly. Yeah, what is this? Uh, they say that 95% of sufferers uh, have one of two histocompatibility leukocyte antigens. Right. So what I take from it is that's what they search for when they do a blood test for oh, okay. celiac disease, right? So I think what happens is it's, uh, we're exposed to wheat. Right? Yeah. Uh, Our body mistakes the gluten. Mm -hmm. Actually, in this case, in celiac disease, our body mistakes the protein we make ourselves. Right. Or the enzyme we make ourselves that breaks down gluten as a foreign invader. Yeah, gluten is a protein. Have we even said that? 
I don't know. Gluten is a protein. Yes, it's a protein we should say. Naturally um, occurring found, protein. Yeah, found specifically in wheat, barley, and rye. Yeah. Right? Okay, that's, yeah. Okay, but the the weird thing about celiac disease is our body's not even warding off the gluten. It's warding off the enzyme our body makes to break down the gluten. Ah, uh, okay. So it's all kinds of confused. Yeah, yeah. Right? So uh, we're introduced to wheat. Here's some gluten. Uh, our body produces this enzyme to go break it down. Some Our immune system goes, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Forms antibodies that are that are um, developed just to destroy these enzymes that break down gluten. Right. So then, anytime we're exposed to gluten again, these enzymes are produced. Our immune system mounts a defense. Yeah. Uh, unnecessarily, and therefore we we this as a result, the gluten is not broken down. It passes through the stool or the poop, as you said. Sure. And um, we're malnourished. Yeah. Because the villi just basically lies down on the job or is destroyed altogether. Right. And about one in 133 people suffer from it, but it is di- underdiagnosed because it can mistake, uh, you can mistake it for uh, irritable, uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. Uh, what well, else? Well, let's talk about the bowel symptoms, right? The, okay. the, there's, um, y- you can have an upset tummy, irritable bowel syndrome. Uh-huh. Um, you can also have chronic diarrhea, yeah. which is one of the worst kinds of diarrhea. Yeah, I would say the worst. You can lose weight even though you're eating just a normal diet. Right. Um, foul-smelling bowel movements. Yeah, what, what is that all about? It means your poop stinks bad. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't it always? I think that this is like even in the Noticeable? in the realm okay. of poop, this is bad. Like dad poop. <laughs> yeah. Except without the tang of shaving cream also mixed in with it. Right. It's yeah. funny. There's a break. Like when you're a little baby, it's like the worst thing on earth. And then I remember being a kid specifically and like going to ask my dad a question. And he would just open the door, and I would be like, oh, my <laughs> Lord, what is happening in there? I know. I wonder what it is. So I would say then your poop smells best between the ages of like 2 and 30. Right. So if you're ever going to have to smell poop, do it during those ages, <laughs> right? This is uh, going downhill fast. <laughs> There's also some non-bowel-related symptoms. Well, excessive gas. We didn't say that. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a big one, too. Right. Um, the non-bowel-related symptoms are like muscle cramps, joint pain, yeah, uh, irritability, and depression, which I think actually are probably comorbid with smelly poop. Yeah. Fatigue. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're just like, oh, God, I can't take this <laughs> any longer. Uh, a, a, one unmistakable sign is a, well, not unmistakable because it could be other things, but a skin rash known as uh, dermatitis herpetiformis. And that's like blistering and itching on the elbows and knees and your butt. Yeah. So if you get that going on, you may want to get that looked into. And then part of the big problem with celiac disease, um, like if you go to a doctor and say, my poop smells really bad, I often have chronic diarrhea, I'm irritable, gassy. Er, I'm gassy, and I have joint pain and I have this rash, the doctors can be like, you have celiac disease. You may also be asymptomatic. Right. And this is where it's it's a problem. Because if the symptoms are, um, you know, not too terrible, like you can deal with it and you don't even really think about it. Yeah. Or if you're asymptomatic entirely, your your small intestine is still being ravaged by um, this uh, autoimmune disorder that you have. Yes, yeah, so you may not feel terrible, but it's it's wrecking you. It, yeah, you're going to become malnourished. You're at risk for anemia yeah. and osteoporosis and all this other stuff as well. Well, one stat that's in this article, um, I think Molly Edmonds wrote this, right? Yes, she did, of stuff mom never told you. That's right. And our, our chief medical correspondent. Uh, for every person that is diagnosed, about 30 people 
have it and are undiagnosed. Yeah, that's that's huge. That's huge yeah, that's underdiagnosis. So they think they're just gassy and fatigued and irritable. Right. And one of the problems why or one of the reasons why it's so underdiagnosed is a lot of these symptoms mimic other um more or other better understood yeah. diseases like cystic fibrosis. Yeah, we mentioned IBS and uh, Crohn's disease, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, which I think is related somehow. Is it? Although they usually have to take out part of your intestine for Crohn's disease. Uh, okay. Uh, so Molly suggests you know to be your own advocate, which is always a good idea, and because a lot of doctors will bypass that. But I bet these days doctors are hearing more and more from people saying, I think I might have celiac disease. Right. And a, a lot of people as celiac disease and the idea of gluten and eating a gluten-free diet, mm-hmm. which as it stands right now is the only treatment for yeah. celiac disease is eating a gluten-free diet. Um, as more and more people are, become aware of it, I think a lot of a lot of people are starting to adopt that. Sure. Um, not only because of celiac disease, a lot of people consider it to be healthier yeah, that possibly gluten is responsible for the widespread depression, aches and pains, uh, murder rates, like everything right. that's wrong with the world. It can be traced to gluten or casein, which is, I think, uh, what the what is the responsible party for lactose intolerance, right? Right. So a lot of people are eating what's called gluten-free, casein-free diets, right? Well, gluten you can have a gluten sensitivity without having celiac disease, so that's important to point out. Uh, without having full-blown celiac disease. You can have a sensitivity to it, but the things that I've read say that if you don't have a sensitivity to it and you're not celiac, uh, you don't have celiac disease, then there's really no reason to avoid it. And a lot of it is, it's sort of the fad now. Yeah, it is. But it makes you wonder. Sometimes the mob mentality is correct, you know? True. Um, If you do think you have celiac disease, though, and you're considering adopting a gluten-free diet, hold off. And actually go to the doctor first yeah, if sure. you want to be properly diagnosed mm-hmm. um, because once you start, once you adopt a gluten-free diet, it's going to mess with the, the results of the blood test. Yeah, you can actually show a false positive for celiac because you're avoiding gluten in the blood. It, or no, it won't show up. Oh, no, I thought it said you can appear to have celiac disease. Oh, see, what I took from it is that you... It, it won't show up because your body's not producing the antibodies that they they look for in the blood test because adopting a gluten-free diet is so um, effective that your body starts healing itself pretty quickly. Am I wrong? I don't know. You know, it just says it can distort the blood test. So we'll, it just we'll messes out. it just messes with it one way or the other. Right. So if you want to be diagnosed with celiac disease, if you think you have it, go get diagnosed and then adopt the gluten-free yeah. lifestyle. And that is the good news that um, you're going to stop experiencing symptoms in the first within a couple of days, possibly a week or so, and then your small intestine will begin to repair itself and function correctly. Yeah. Because it's really it's just the gluten that your body's reacting to, and if there's no gluten, hey. Yeah, they call snack. it disease. So I guess it qualifies, but it's. To me, it's more of a condition. If you can just quit eating gluten, it'll repair itself, although it's uncurable, so I guess it is technically a disease. And we talked about um, diets, right? The gluten-free, casein-free diet is actually um, a lot of parents of autistic kids, which, by the way, I checked with a guy who has an autistic kid, and he said it's cool to call them autistics, or, yeah, autistics rather than people with autism, or both. Oh, really? He said he thought it was. He, he'd been doing it for the last 20 years, so. That's just his opinion. 
<laughs> right. But at the very least, he won't be offended. Okay, good. Uh, but there's a, a certain amount of logic to um, feeding kids with autism a gluten-free, casein-free diet. And basically the um, the logic behind it is that kids with autism pr- overproduce certain peptides uh-huh. that break down these things. Okay. And s- for some reason, mm-hmm. this process uh, in the brain treats these the compounds, when they're broken down, as opiates and cause kids to behave differently really? from other kids, wow. which apparently explains autism. And it's it's not vetted enough. Yeah, yeah. There haven't been enough studies, apparently, to prove or disprove it, but that there's a lot of parents of uh, autistic kids who are n- not feeding them gluten or casein. Wow. Well, yeah. we're, we're just learning so much about autism now. We're, we need to do that as a podcast at some point. Oh, definitely. Because all the controversy around the... Uh, uh, Shots that kids get causing autism and stuff like that. Yeah, there's, and it still remains even after that one doctor who basically started that whole thing was completely discredited. Was he? Yeah. Well, there's just so much cynicism and um, suspicion toward, right? You know, the establishment, right? <laughs> so we'll we'll, so we'll do autism. We promising that. Yes. Uh, so we were talking about the fact that gluten uh, products are lousy with this stuff these days. Mm-hmm. It's obviously if it's in wheat, barley, and uh, rye. It's going to be in any kind of baked good with this stuff, crackers, pasta, cereal, bread. Sure. Um, but it's also in some weird things. Not weird things, but it's weird that it's in these things. Right. Like salad dressing is so weird. Yeah. Uh, salad dressing, soy sauce, peanut butter, ice cream, uh, pudding. Yeah. Lipstick and toothpaste. Yeah. Beer, obviously. Yeah. Vitamins and envelope adhesive. Yeah, which makes me wonder... Is that Seinfeld? what killed Susan from Seinfeld? <laughs> Did she die? Did she have like a really heightened uh, uh, gluten allergy? Perhaps. So yeah, it's in all those things. Um, obviously, any kind of uh, anything made with flour, so you don't might not think about soup like a chowder right. or a gravy that's thickened with flour. I wouldn't want to live if I couldn't eat gravy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want to live a gravy-free life. Either that, or my my bowel movements would stink because I would not <laughs> stop eating gravy. What's the point? If you can't eat gravy, what's the point of eating anything? Yeah, I'm with you. You, you do the dark brown gravy or like the, the light brown? Pretty Anything. I prefer brown gravy, like dark brown. Like KFC. Yes, yeah, but I will eat good. any gravy, really. All right. Uh, the other good thing about the fact that gluten is all over everyone's radar now um, is that if you do want to live a gluten-free life, it's a lot easier now, too, yeah. because there's tons of products now that are touting yep. Being gluten gluten free, including gluten free beer. Yeah, what it, do you know the brands? I was curious about that. No, interesting. No, but there's 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 several out there. I think Terrapin, one of our breweries from beloved Athens, Georgia, has a gluten free beer. Oh, really? I think. Uh, yeah, I think there's that several brands have started to um, carry to produce gluten-free beer because really all you need is is some sort of starch to get things going. Yeah. It doesn't have to be wheat. You sure. could conceivably use rice. There's also a soy vodka that's awful, but it's out there. Um, have you had it? Because think about it. Gluten, vo- vodka is yeah. often made from grain and sure. you're in big trouble with, with whiskey, vodka. That, I have had it. It was one of the few shots, free shots I've ever given back in my life. Really? It was now. When you mean give it back, you spit it back at the bartender. No, um, I grabbed two, uh. <laughs> and I did one, and actually caught the uh, the um, girl who was handing him out's attention and put it back on the tray. You it put was the little test bad. tube back in the thing. It was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> 
what was I going to say, Josh? Oh, if you're eating out, you're going to want to talk to your waiter or chef. And a lot of re- you know trendy restaurants these days have little gluten-free sections too, because everyone thinks that they're uh, they have celiac disease now. <laughs> well, right. Well, and not only that, there's a lot of people out there who, like you said, think it's healthy. It's the, yeah. It's kind of the fad. So yeah. There's um, strength in numbers as far as consumership goes. Oh, sure. Um, and apparently between 2002, no, 2004 and 2009, in five years. Um, the amount of gluten-free products on the market increased 74%, according to the Nielsen Company. Well, And they, they know what they're talking about. Well, they want to make a buck. Well, who, the Nielsen Company? No, just people that make uh, products that you consume, they want to make a buck. So they know that gluten-free is a big deal, so they slap gluten-free on there and obviously remove the gluten. <laughs> I'm not saying they're lying to everyone. You know, uh, Mellow Mushroom has a gluten-free pizza. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Of course they do. Uh, Molly points out that one thing you can do is, um, instead of to try and avoid gluten, just look at a list of safe foods. It might be easier just to think in the realm of vegetables and fruits, nuts, dried clear, beans, milk clear and soups. eggs. Yeah, clear soup. No gravy. Dairy. And by the Chuck, I want to correct myself. Corn, rice, soy. Retail sales of gluten-free products have increased 74%, not the number of products on the market. Oh, Okay. Retail sales. But still, I think that that's directly proportionate to the number of right. products on the market. Also, Josh, potato and quinoa. I, I like how you say that. How should I say it? I, I think that's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Instead of quinoa. quinoa. Right. <laughs> how I've always said it. Um, what, Chuck, what happens if you are a Catholic? You're in big trouble, aren't you? Yeah, like it's it's made with, with wheat, and they're not going to bend on that, right? Isn't that the deal? The, the, the Pope, the... The uh, Catholic Church has actually issued a ruling. This on is Pope gluten. Scary, the new guy. Pope, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. He just he looks creepy. That's the reason. I okay, say that. I'm glad you said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Catholic Church issued a a ruling on the presence of gluten in the communion wafers and said that the true Eucharist bread uh-huh. must be made with wheat. Right. Uh, apparently, there is a young girl who's um, Communion was nullified by the Catholic Church because she had been she had received her first communion as a low gluten wafer, which the Protestants have come to embrace. So they said that didn't count. They said she's not a Catholic. Like she she didn't. There are several rites to Catholicism. There's baptism, first communion, first penance, confirmation, marriage, and last rites. Right, Look at you man, and she can yeah. still rattle that off. Right. Um. So one of her. Uh, I guess points of Catholicism was literally overturned hers personally right. by the Catholic Church because she had received a low gluten wafer, and they wonder why Catholicism is losing its its uh, members because they're basically saying to her, You're, "We're forcing you to have stinky poop, R- little girl. We little girl, we don't care <laughs> if you can die from this." Well, it's only one little wafer, though. Well, the problem also is. Um, the Protestants have embraced low gluten wafer, but low gluten doesn't mean no gluten. Right. So there's kind of that too. I mean, yeah. people with severe celiac disease can, you know, still have a pretty bad reaction to, to uh, a communion wafer. Yeah. And, and Chuck, this is a big deal. I mean, it's not to you and me, but to you know devout Catholics. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, who have celiac disease? This is a big deal. Yeah, it's a very important right. For them, and it is very disappointing that the church came out and ruled like, nah, sorry. Yeah. It's like roll with the changes a little bit, you know. Yeah. 
Which is weird because the, the church has been known to yeah, you know, sure. evolve over time. Like there used to be such a thing as purgatory. Not anymore, according to the Catholic Church. Right. But the Eucharist has to be made with wheat. Interesting. It is interesting. I think we said the word gluten enough now to where it sounds funny to me in my head. Gluten. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very um, Midwest, Northern Midwestern. Gluten? Yeah. Yeah. Gluten like smorgasbord or something. Do you have anything else? I got nothing else. I mean, I could keep talking for a while. No, I'd just say if you if you think you have a gluten sensitivity, uh, you can you should go see a doctor, get your blood test. I think after the blood test, I'll even do a biopsy of your small intestine. I guess. And if you're a heavy smoker and you're not sure if you have a gluten sensitivity, ask a friend or loved one who lives with you. They'll tell you. Oh, because you can't smell. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And if you want to learn more about celiac disease uh, and whether or not it's plural, you can type that in. C E L IAC in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. It will bring up a very interesting and concise article by Molly Edmonds, who manages to marry Greek mythology and uh, autoimmune disorders of the intestine. Pretty deftly, really. Yeah, in the intro? Yeah. Since I said uh, handy search bar, that means then it's time for listener mail. Yeah, Josh, I'm going to call this a couple of emails from the same girl. Okay. It's first kiss stuff, and then there was an update. You'll see, mm. what, you'll see what I mean. From uh, Allison? Yes. Yeah. Uh, guys, you asked for a story about a first kiss. I think I have just the one. Uh, if you hold on through the cheesy parts, you'll see how it all comes back to you guys. Is this the girl from who had her first kiss at 27? Uh, no, I already read that one. Yeah, I thought this was a follow-up. No, this is a different girl. When I was 18, she was a late bloomer, too, because she was 18. Okay. Two late bloomers. I interned for a summer in Paris, staying at an international house students. Interned like she she wasn't allowed to leave Paris? <laughs> That's what she said. Okay. Uh, I met the most wonderful people there. Two English brothers and an Irishman became my particular friends, and we decided to go on a weekend trip to Venice. In a turn of fortune, our last night landed me alone on a dock in Venice with one of the Brits that had shyly been flirting with me for months. It may have been uh, pheromones. It may have been that our teeth did not smash together. But my first kiss led to my first love. Wow. We have been together for two years now, all of it long distance. Uh, On a return vacation to Italy we took last winter, the Brit introduced me to stuff you should know. I've been hooked ever since. And as sad as it may sound, you guys helped us stay connected by either sharing of our headphones, LOLing to your podcast as we traveled, or uh, listening separately before we go to bed an ocean apart, only to discuss the newest episode in the morning. That is very sweet. Here's an update. She sent me an update a couple of weeks later. The Brit and I actually broke up for a few months uh, with his career about to start in London and my graduate studies starting next year in New York and a few other complications. However, he said he's made a mistake and he's trying to win me back. He's even willing to move to New York for me. Sweet. He's just waiting for me to decide if that's what I want. And I've been getting, I've been giving him a hard time as I make up my mind. Uh... I quote directly when he said, listening to Josh and Chuck at night before I go to bed without you is torture. Oh, that is really sweet. This guy's pretty cool. It read a different way, listening to Josh and Chuck is torture. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I told you that you guys play an important part in our lives. To make a long story short, I want to give him a second chance. He's the love of my life. Would there be any chance that you could read my email and perhaps let him know that I'm still his? Wow, I just got chills, Chuck. So, nameless uh, Brit, 
Allison says she still loves you. Sounds like you're moving to New York, buddy. Sounds like the Big Apple's calling your name, my friend. So if you had a, a secret, I'm sorry, not so secret kiss, on a dock in Venice. With a girl named Allison. Then then we're talking to you, because yeah. she didn't give a name. She just calls him Brit. Maybe his name's Brit. Maybe Brit from Great Britain. So that's it. Wow. Wow. And she since bugged me a couple of times, like, are you going to read it? I was like, well, have you not talked to him? Right, right. yeah. She, <laughs> Why don't you tell like him? refusing to, to contact him until this comes yeah, out. it's weird. Well, I hope they don't actually, um, I hope he doesn't move on because he yeah. doesn't hear from her because we didn't publish fast enough. Right. Wow. Wow. I can't even think of something to call for. That was really sweet. Um, if you've ever been on a boat that started sinking, we want to hear about it. Yes. Uh, hopefully the Brit will be flying, actually, to New York rather than sailing. I doubt if he's the... taking a steamer ship. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever been on a boat that started sinking, uh, we want to hear about that story. You should probably just go ahead and uh, put it in an email. And you can address that email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?